Good morning. It's good to see a few of you. And hi. <laughs> hi. All you out there in digital land. Enjoying your hot cocoa and jammies, I'm sure. Um, so glad you, you, could, you could join us this morning. We are, we are excited. We are starting a new series this, uh, this Sunday uh, entitled Reclaimed. The series is about um, finding, reclaiming our, our true identity. Um, this is a, an interesting thing to talk about reclaiming and I, our identities because the identities that we're reclaiming are, are identities that we've, we've not actually fully experienced yet. And we're going to get into how all that works in a little bit. But first, I, wanna, I want us to understand something about, um, about the idea of being reclaimed. That this, this is not, um, this is not a, a, a secondary reality. Um, our God is in the reclamation business. That is, that is who he is. Um, in Luke 14, I think it's 14, 15, there's a famous series of stories, of parables, that, that you're probably familiar with. There's, Jesus tells three separate stories to kind of prove the same point. It's the, the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost sheep, and the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. You probably have heard those stories before, but they all follow the same. We don't have time to read and go into depths on each one of them, but they all follow basically the same story. That something, that the person, there was a person who owned a thing and that thing was lost and then they reclaimed it. That's the, the gist of all the stories. With the first one, it's a, it's a coin that's lost. A lady loses a coin. A shepherd loses a sheep. And a father loses a son. They were all part, they were all originally owned or a part of, of the person. And it was, it was something that was lost. And the story is about this person reclaiming what was rightfully theirs. Jesus tells these stories because this is the heart of God for each and every one, one of us. We are all lost. We all have have were designed and, and owned by God who created us. But through, through sin, through the fall, through our own rebellion, we have been lost. And there are parts of us that even, even as we have, many of us have made a decision to follow Jesus, even to this day, there are parts of us that still haven't been reclaimed. And that's what this, this series is all about. It's, it's about pursuing God and inviting him to reclaim lost parts of us. You know, even reclamation isn't, isn't even something that God started with Jesus. That's not where this story begins. He has always been, this has always been a part of his nature. We, we see this all the way back in the Old Testament with God reclaiming uh, people and choosing people to become part of his own again. You, you know, the Old Testament follows the story of the, the nation of Israel, his chosen people. And that story starts with two people, Abraham and Sarah. But they weren't always Abraham and Sarah. Initially, their, their names were Abram and Sarai. And through, through their relationship with God, as God reclaims them for himself, he does something interesting. It's something that God likes to do throughout, throughout Scripture. He changes their name. 
Now, the story of how, why, G, why God changes Adam or Abraham and, and Sarah's name is, is significant for us. See, when God gets involved in their lives, they're Abram and Sarai. When they come into relationship with him, as their identity is changed, he changes it to Abraham and Sarah. He adds an ha sound, that ha, into both of their names. It goes from Abram to Abraham. And the reason he does that is, you know, Hebrew is a very fascinating uh, language, and I'm no expert by any stretch, and I won't try and explain it all. But the, at the end of the day, he's painting a word picture with their names. See, God's name, his official name is Yahweh. And so what God does in this story in changing their names is he actually takes a part of his name and he infuses it into Abram's name, into Sarai's name. He says, I'm taking a part of me and I'm putting it into you, Abram. Now you are Abraham. This is what God invites us into. You're invited over the next couple weeks to allow the Holy Spirit to do the same to you. Because it's only in that process that your true identity is revealed. Just like Abraham and Sarah, God wants to change your name by infusing it with his own. Not the name that others call you. Not the, the names that you call yourself. Because there's only one true place that that transformation happens, and that's that's in our identity, in that core bedrock part of ourselves. As I was teaching or researching and kind of studying for this, I kind of came up with a theory. This is I have no no footnotes for this. I have no research because I I made this up. But it's my theory, so I'm going to share it with you. I believe that there are are two kinds of of identity, generally speaking. There's a functional identity that we all have, and it is what we believe to be the most important truths about you and your world. I'm calling this our functional identity. The things that, one, you believe are true, but not only true about you, about the people around you, about the world you live in, but the things that are the most important truths. See, sometimes things can be, things can be true and we can be right, but we can have an overvalue of the importance of that truth. And that can lead us astray as well. This functional identity will, is, is the thing that we live our lives out of. It's the thing that will determine everything else in our experience. But there's a second kind of identity, and that's kingdom identity. This is what God says are the most important truths about you and this world. Transformation only happens as our functional identity gets replaced with our kingdom identity. Who we think we are, how we think the world works, gets replaced with who God says you are and how his kingdom works. This is why most po- the, the mo- postmodern idea of each of us having our own truth is so dangerous because th- there's such a, a felt rightness about it. 
Because we, we all live with this functional identity. We see, it, we see it lived out day in and day out in our own lives and in the lives of others. That what I believe really does impact reality. The problem is um, it also creates us, a, a, we try and out of that try and create solutions for that identity that will never work. We constantly start to look inward to try and fix the parts of our identity, to try and fix the parts of our lives that need fixing, but we'll never be able to reclaim our own true identity that way because that's not where our true identity exists. It doesn't exist within you. It doesn't exist within me. We were created, designed to be in communion and connection with God. The call is not coming from inside the house. Over the next several weeks, we're going to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to do a great work in our core, in our identity. This is not something that just happens on Sundays. If I was the greatest sermonizer in the world, if I was Spurgeon or whoever else is your favorite, which I am not, let's get that clear, it still wouldn't really make that big a difference in your life. Starting next week, we're, and we'll talk more about the details in a little bit, we're, we're, we're inviting all of you to join us as, in 21 days of prayer and fasting. To take what, we, what we're talking about on Sundays and pursue God in those things every day for three weeks. Because it's only in a, in a more intentional pursuit that we will get more of God. And we need our identities changed. We are all suffering from a lack of kingdom identity. Now, one thing is the, the Bible doesn't actually use the word identity a lot. You may have noticed that. There's not, there's not a lot of verses that talk about your identity. Uh, scripture uses another word, though. Heart. Talks a lot about our heart. In Matthew 12, 34, uh, Jesus says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you will say. I, have you found this to be true? That we, it, we tell on ourselves. We can't, we can't help it. We even, even things that we know we shouldn't say, we just, right? We just can't stop it sometimes. Why? Because what we say comes out of our heart. We have this idea that, that it's all about what we, what we think, right? But, it, but that even is affected and controlled by something deeper. Mark 7.21 says, From within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and it goes on. We live in such a, such a, a culture that's so fixated on our thoughts, on science, on reason, but there's a deeper level at which uh, we, we are functioning out of. And it's, it's difficult to deal with. And, uh, the prophet Jeremiah explains why it's so confusing. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now, a little uh, drill down on this verse. verse. Jeremiah is not... It's not as bad as it sounds. Um, when he says deceitful, that, that word that they use there in, in Hebrew, it's a picture of, um, you ever see like, uh, on, I don't know if you see on Facebook or sometimes you get these like slideshows of like, you know, 
the world's craziest roads, right? <laughs> I was looking at some this week. And you ever see there are these paths, and they're like up a mountain, and they're this narrow, and they're, they're snaky, and they're at 90-degree angles, and there's no guardrail, and you're about to fall off. That's the picture that, that the, the prophet is trying to paint about our hearts, that they're, they're, they're dangerous, they're winding and he calls it desperately wicked. And, and Strong's uh, Greek Hebrew Dictionary, which is kind of the, the go-to resource for, for uncovering the meaning of, of, of Bible words, um, it says that, that that term desperately wicked is actually meant to convey the idea of being frail or feeble or incurable illness. Our hearts, who we are since the fall, is broken. And we don't in ourselves know even what is broken. But it's it's the source of, of who we truly are. That's why King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says in, in Proverbs 4, he says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart, your identity. Your functional identity, what you believe to be true about you in the world and what you think is important will determine more than anything else what your life looks like. The life you are living right now is a product of your identity, of your, of your heart. And it's difficult at times to even identifying what's in our hearts, what, what functional identity we are living out of, because many times we just, we, we don't ever look that deep. Um, I have a, just a, a, by way of a little visual aid, uh, I'm going to show you something. Um, all right, picture this, take this plant. Um, it's kind of droopy. Um, <laughs> but this is a plant. Uh, and imagine that this is, this is us, right? This is you. This is me. And these flowers at the top, this is what we will call reality. This is, the, this is the life you live. This is the parts you see. This is the fruit of your life. This is, this is the job you have. This is the, the emotional uh, state you are. This is, the, this is what we see on the surface, now, if I cut that off because I don't like it and I want something new to grow there, is that going to work? Of course not, because eventually this is just going to grow a new, a new bud on it, right? So we, we, we do that, and that doesn't work. So what do we do in our life? Well, we go, we go a little deeper. So we come, we come down, and, and, and we go down. Down here, let's say this is, we'll call this consequences, we see the, the things in our life. Okay, we didn't like this, this part up here. So, so we dig it a little deeper and we realize, oh, well, that was a result of consequences. So, so we try and change the consequences in our life. And so we cut that off. But that still doesn't work. Because it's just going to grow out of, of this next thing. It's, it's our actions. We realize, oh, our consequences, well, that, that's happening because I keep doing this. Right, so then we get down. We go, okay, this is going to fix it. So, so we go and we try and change our actions. We 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 change whatever it is. You you, you try to not be angry, or you you try to stop losing your temper. And so so we 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 go. I'm going to change my actions, and that's going to fix everything. But it doesn't, 
Because eventually those actions just keep creeping back up and we can't, we can't figure out why. So we, we do a little more digging, we do a little more digging, and then we finally realize that, oh, well, underneath those actions, there's, there's these tendencies, there's these um, habits that I have. See, I, 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 keep, I keep accosting my, my boss at work or my employees at work because underneath it, I, I, I am angry. I have, I have an anger problem. And so we try to not be angry. Or we try to not be afraid, or we try to try to be more diligent, or, or whatever it is. But no matter how how far down we cut on this this plant, it just keeps growing back. It just keeps growing the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. See, the problem is that all of this will never change. It doesn't matter how far back you cut this because at the bottom are these roots. And these are our identity. At the bottom are these core root thoughts. These, these internal, they're filled with the DNA, the genetic structure that, that creates this thing. And it doesn't matter how much pruning you do, as long as these roots are the roots that are in this pot, this pot will always grow these flowers. As we seek transformation, we spend most of our time trying to deal with our actions, our tendencies, but, but we never get at, at the roots, our true identity. And the truth is, because even when we get a glimpse of them, even when we realize that that is the problem, we don't have the power to change those. It's a, it's a spiritual genetic disorder. And we look at those things and, and we can get discouraged, but I'm here to tell you, and you're going to discover over the next few weeks that there, there is good news. God has a plan. And if the worship team wants to come on, come on back up. We're going we're gonna to jump back into some worship in just a few minutes. God has a plan. And it's the same plan he had for his people Israel when they found themselves with a broken and warped identity. When they found themselves exiled from their promised land, cut off from from their God. Even though it was a result of of their own sin, their own rebellion, Israel at one point finds themselves in exile. The the, uh, invading army had come in and taken them away. But in the book of Ezekiel, God, God sends Ezekiel the prophet to his people to give them a promise. And I want to I want to read the promise because it's a, it's a promise for us today too. If we if we will lay hold of it, if we will choose to put ourselves under it. God wants to say the same thing he said to them to you this morning, wherever you may find yourself. Ezekiel 20, uh, 36 verse 26. God says through the prophet, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. We have this functional identity that's broken, but God offers us a new one. He says, I I can't fix those roots, 
But that's okay because I'm going to give you new ones. I'm going to replace them with my identity. Over these next several weeks, we're going to be looking at three core identity truths, three replacements, three things that God wants to take out of his own name and put into each one of us. And we're going to spend the week kind of reading and thinking and praying into each one of those things. So I I encourage you, I, I, I beg you to join us on this journey. This week, your, your job is simple to just prepare for the fast. And if you go to our website, christianassembly.com, at the top you'll see a fast link, or you can go to christianassembly.com slash fasts. And there's a, there's a PDF there that, that kind of is a guide to, to help you kind of plan your fast. If you want to, some people may want to do a juice fast or a, a, a Daniel fast or, or something else. And I would encourage you to read that. That'll help you understand the what's and the why's of the power behind fasting. But you'll see in there also the, the main ask for this fast is want everybody to find 20 minutes in their day. Something that you can give up for the next three weeks starting next, next, next week. Something you do that, that takes 20 to 30 minutes. That might be, um, might be making a meal instead of just eating a, a quick sandwich. It might be, you know, might be packing your lunch for work so you can spend that time instead of going to the, the, you know, going to Wendy's or whatever and driving. You can spend that time just alone in your car. It might be just getting off the face crack. That'll give you like three hours right there. But find that time and, and figure out this week what, what your strategy is. What are you going to give up to have that time? And we're going to use that time every day during this fast to allow God to reclaim our identity. Because that's what he does. And he's passionate about it. You know, before, right before service, I was um, thinking about just the idea of, of, of reclaiming. I started thinking about my own journey of reclaiming things. Have you ever, you ever lost something or somebody had something of yours that you needed to get back or, or somebody had something that you thought belonged to you? I don't know about you, but for me, that... That is a very uh, easy way f- for, for you to see how passionate I am. <laughs> right? If you take something that, that, that belongs to me and I go get it, you're going to see, you're gonna see the, the, the powerful, the, mo- the most powerful, the most passionate, the most, the most demonstrative version of me. Because it's mine and I want it back. And I'm in the right and you're in the wrong and I'm going to come get it. And I want to encourage us all in this process that we are going to experience that side of God as we pursue him. And the danger is the enemy will try and use that to try and convince you that 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 attitude, that, that anger is directed at you. 
but it's not. It's directed for you. God wants to reveal his passion, his, his power as you pursue him, as you trade identities. But we have to understand that there's a, when he does that, it, it feels like a hurricane. Things shake. And that's okay. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to spend some time in, in worship right now. And this is, this, the song, this first song we're going to sing is all about remembering the things that God has done and that he's going to do them again because he's faithful. He reclaimed Israel time and time again. He, is, he has been there for you time and time again. And he will be there for you again. And so I want to encourage you to join in this moment. Have this moment. Give this moment to God and let him, let the Holy Spirit just invite us into this process. Invite us into, into his arms, into a new identity, a new level of knowing him, a new level of discovering who you really are. But it all starts by just accepting the invitation. It all starts by saying, yes, Lord, I believe. So we're going to worship. Whether you're at home or, or in the building, we're going to worship for this next, next, next few moments. I encourage you to do just that. Say, God, I, I don't know what this looks like. I, I don't, maybe you've not really ever, maybe you've not really had a strong devotional life. You've never, you know, 20 minutes every day for a week, let alone three weeks sounds like, well, that's more than I've ever done. That's great. It's okay if, if you're not sure how this works. It's okay. God knows how it works. He's in charge. He'll figure it out. But right now, let's just take this moment and, and, and dedicate ourselves to this season of, of prayer, of fasting, of pursuing him in a new way.